So for the last several weeks, we have been looking at Psalm 127, just the first verse that says this, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. That's just real simple. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. So basically what that is saying, when we looked at the word vain a few weeks ago, that if we're building our lives outside of God, we are building emptiness. We are building something that is not worth anything. Unless the Lord builds the house, they who labor, labor in vain. And so we've just been looking at it week after week after week, just simply um, reminding ourselves that God created us, God created the earth, and we wake up every morning and we dedicate our lives to God. We live our lives according to the will of God. That's basically what it means to do. And we looked at the fact that the greatest tragedy on earth, to go to be with your maker, realizing that we had lived our lives in vain. And yet living lives for God is so simple. What do we do? God, this day I offer to you. God, this day I walk with you. God, I choose to do what is in your word. I choose to do what is your will in my life. No matter what it looks like, no matter how much it's going to stretch me, I choose to do that. And the Bible says that when we walk like that, we will be building our house on the Lord. And that's all we want anyways. We looked at time a few weeks ago. We thought about eternity. And eternity, you can't get your head around because there is no end to it. But we just took like a million years. Like imagine living a million extra years after the life we live in this time period. Whether you live to 80 or 90 years old, or maybe some are going to make 100, whatever it's going to be, that 100 years in a time span of the next million is just nothing. And that's just using a million years, never mind eternity, which we can't wrap our heads around, never mind a million into a billion into whatever it is that you can't even wrap your head around. These 100 years that we're going to live on this earth, like the country song says, goes pie in a blank. It says, don't blank, because that's what 100 years will be in the time span of eternity. Yet those hundred years determine how we live for eternity, determine who we bring in for eternity. And so to give our lives to God for this blink, when we put it in that perspective, should be nothing. It should be obvious. Of course, we can do this for just a hundred years in the scope of eternity. When we think about it in, in finite ways and we think about it in time, we think, man, that's a long time. But when you think about it in eternity views, it's just like, of course, we should give our lives. It's just a blink. In eternity. So we went through several scriptures talking about giving our lives to God and trusting in the Lord and walking our ways in the Lord. And then a couple weeks ago, I was going to get into a particular story that we just never made it to, but it's about the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10. And I want to look at that this morning because it's a cool story. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 22 says this. Now, as he was going out on the road, Jesus was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. So basically Jesus was saying to the guy, are you saying that I'm God? Are you asking me a question knowing that I'm God? And he says, you know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. I love that spot right there. Jesus, looking at him, loved him. We read this story like it could be a downer, but he looked at him and gave him information because he loved him. And he said to him, one thing you lack, go on your way, sell whatever you have, and give it to the poor, 
and you will have treasures in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Can you imagine having an encounter with Jesus and Jesus loving you so much he wants to give you information and you walk away from that meeting sad? Shouldn't be that way. We want those encounters with God and we, we hope that God gives us information, even if it means us changing our lives because we know that he's the creator and has the best for us. And so it's an interesting story that often stops here when we hear preachers talk about it. We hear this story and, and oftentimes even, even bad doctrines are built around this, like money's the root of all evil and you know riches are bad, which is not the case when you divide out the word of God truthfully. Matter of fact, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 6.10, it says this, Money is not the root of evil. What's the root of all evil in that first line? The love of money is the root of all evil. But yet you'll hear people quote, money's the root of all evil. It's not what the Bible says. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through many sorrows. So it's, yeah, it's giving you a warning and saying that you need to be careful when looking and dealing with money because the love of money is the root of all evil, and people have strayed. Rich young rulers have walked away from the presence of God because they loved money. But it's not money, it's the love of the money. And that's super important to understand because we're not just dealing with money when we're dealing with rich young rulers. Proverbs 11.28 says it this way. See, riches aren't bad, and riches won't make you fall. What will make you fall in the first line? You trust in those riches. There's a difference between loving money and having money, and there's a difference between trusting in riches and having riches. He who trusts in riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. 1 Timothy 6.17 says this, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty. You notice it wasn't just like the rich young ruler. He didn't say command those who are rich in this world to give everything away, like he just spoke with the rich young ruler like. Not all that. When you rightly divide the word of God, you'll see that we have to use all of scripture to divide scripture. And so it's command those who are rich in this world. He didn't say to give it all away. He said not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So in this particular scripture here, he's saying, listen, he's saying, tell those who are rich not to trust in riches. Understand that anything they have, they should be getting through God because they're going to be building their lives on God because they're going to build the house on God and they're not going to labor in vain because everything they do in life is going to be for God. They're going to, everything they do, they're going to give glory to God. Like the scripture says, whatever we do in word or deed, do as unto the glory of the Lord, right? And so all he's saying is here, be cautious, Always put God before money. But that's right across the board. Put God before anything. It's not just money. Money is one stronghold that the Bible talks about. The love of money. The trusting in riches is one stronghold that the Bible talks about. But it's not the money or the riches. That's the problem. It's just not putting God ahead of the money and the riches. Therefore, we, you trust in money rather than trust in God. And so... We can see that further because a lot of times, like I said, the preaching stops right there, but the story actually goes further in the Bible. And we're going to read the rest of the story of the rich young ruler right now. In Mark chapter 10, 23, which is the very next verse, it goes on to say this. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And his disciples were astonished. 
Listen to that. Everybody thinks the disciples were poor and they had nothing and they couldn't even clothe themselves and could hardly feed themselves. And you see old Sunday school books and they all got tattered clothes. The disciples were astonished that Jesus said that it's hard for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. Why were they astonished? Because they all came from businesses. I mean, these guys were fishing and, and, and providing for themselves and they had not just one boat, but boats when he showed up. They were prospering when he showed up. And even more so when Jesus showed up, if you remember the initial scripture, because when Jesus showed up, they couldn't even keep the fish in the boat. Their boat almost sank and the nets broke. So that doesn't show you that God wants you to have nothing. It shows that when God shows up, you have more than you ever could want. And so it says, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard it is for those who trust. See that? He made the difference. He distinguished right there. Trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now that literally doesn't mean an eye, a camel going through an eye of a needle. There's, I don't have time to talk about it, but there was a, a gate in Jerusalem that was called the needle gate and camels had to duck to go through it. But it's easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished again, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? If it was like most people think, the disciples would have been, yeah, that's right, I got nothing. You got to be like me, I got nothing. Of course that's right, Jesus, good teaching, good preaching, Jesus. But they were astonished. And they're like, who can be saved then? See, the story changes or, or advances. But Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. Now he's scrambling. See, Jesus, we left it all. We left the boats behind us. We don't have anything. And Jesus answered and said, and this is what can't be left out of the story. It's in the Bible. Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or land for my sake in the gospels who shall not receive 100-fold. Now, no one wants to talk about these next four words. Now, in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands with persecution, and in the age to come, eternal life. So Jesus is saying there's nothing wrong with money, a matter of fact, and there's nothing wrong with provision and prosperity as long as it's not ahead of him, as long as people don't trust in it, as long as they trust in God as long as we acquire it through the kingdom of God and not through our own desires. And he says, anything you give up for the kingdom's sake, no matter what you give up, you will receive hundredfold. And everybody says, when you get to heaven, no, now, that's Bible. In this time, in this time, we always want to put off God's goodness, but God wants to bless you now. We always want to put it off in the future, but God wants to bless you now. Yes, we're going to get persecutions, and yes, we have to stand up for the gospel. And yes, during these times, even in our country, we have to stand for what is right because the Bible is trying to be rewritten by our government, and we must stand. We must stand. And so standing for what is right. But God wants to bless us now. So then what was Jesus after in the story? If he wasn't after the rich young ruler's money or wasn't even after him to give it all away, what was Jesus after? He was after him. He was after the rich young ruler. He was after his heart. And he was after him to have no other gods before him. And this is in every area of life. 
Money is just one. Money and greed are just one. Just one. And money can be a stronghold. But you know what the interesting thing is? I've seen money be a stronghold on folks that don't have any money just as much as I've seen it with people with money. They'll make decisions. They will move towns. They will move countries to a job for a few dollars more. Right? Without ever even asking the Lord if they should move away from their sphere of influence. So who's their God there? Money can be a stronghold no matter where we are in life if we trust in it. Are you hearing me? So money is one. Fame. Famous young ruler could have been. He could have showed up and he'd have been all famous and everybody would have known him and he was a superstar and Jesus could have said, one thing you've missed, you got to give up that fame. There's lots of people like that. I'm sure people in Hollywood are being faced with that all the time. We don't, I can't judge. I don't know who's putting God first and who's not, but I guarantee you they're faced with that temptation of putting their trust in who they are and their fame and their power versus putting God first or, or, or taking certain movies that they shouldn't or having a moment where they should speak of God and because they might get fired, they don't speak of God. Everybody's faced with these different things. We don't want to be the rich young ruler. We don't want to be the famous young ruler. We don't want to be the addicted young ruler, right? Sex and sexuality is another thing being attacked in our country. It is. God wants everything. God wants everything. He doesn't want God's put before us. He wants everything. Him first. And that's being mightily attacked in our country. Addiction's another one. And not just alcohol and drugs and, and things like that. There's, there's all sorts of addiction, sexual addictions. There's all sorts of eating addictions. I got to watch that all the time. I'm one of those guys when I start to stress, I like, I wear my fridge door out. Just like pacing and I open that thing 40 times. And when you think about it, it's, 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 I, I go there for comfort for some reason. And I'll just keep opening that thing and pacing and opening that thing. And I know when I get stressed out, all of a sudden I want sugar, I want carbs. And I'm thinking, that's not right. That's not right. I'm not going to hell over it. But I don't want to be the sugar young ruler either. I don't want to be the ice cream young ruler. Trent, you've done everything, but you won't put that ice cream down. <laughs> right? And it sounds small, but these are the things how we walk through life, right? It, it truly is. God wants to point these things out in our lives. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7 says it this way. But now this we know in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. That's one right there. I don't want to be the unforgiving young ruler, right? Right? We don't want to be that. We've had lots of talks about that in our, in our, in our home lately, and, and even our in-laws, Nana, has been talking about that lots lately because she had a strife in her family for 15 years with her brother, and, and the doctor hasn't given him much time, and we were just talking about that. They've, they've mended their ways lately in the last, I don't know how long it's been, but um, she was just saying 15 years of unforgiveness that 15 years. Now, you know, she can't beat herself up over that forever, but in the moment, we always think we're right, but God's constantly wanting us to lay these things down. I don't want to be the unforgiving young ruler either. Slanderous. It's like gossipy. I don't want to be the gossiping young ruler. Putting other people down. Talking about other people behind their back. And we're all guilty of that. Without self-control. Brutal. Despisers of good. Traitors, headstrong, haughty, 
lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. Lust can be powerful in all sorts of different ways, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. I think we live starting to live in a society like that. They're gonna, they tell us everything on, on how we should act and how are certain things to be and marriage and family should look. And they're always saying science this and science that and science that. But the Bible says one thing that is one thing. And he's the one that created the universe. And he's the one that put everything into motion. And he is the greatest scientist. He is the creator of it. And the Bible says that in these times, people are just going to be more knowledgeable, but never coming to the truth, never submitting to the truth, never putting down We're always being a young ruler, ruling our own lives. And we need to look at that. Now, we're Christians in this building, and there's a big difference between failing and pursuing. I want to make sure that's clear. We all have problems in our life. We all face things. I just talked about certain things in my life. We all face things. But there's a big difference between failing and falling short and pursuing and trying to make what you're doing right and saying that God is okay with it. And that's a big difference, big difference. We fail every day moving towards the sanctification of God. We fail every day. We fall every day. And that's okay in the eyes of God because we're going from glory to glory, from faith unto faith, and he's disciplining us and teaching us to get there. As long as we don't stop on one and say, hey, God, no, you're not right. I'm right. I'm not going to listen to you anymore, no matter what you tell me, and walk away sorryful because we're not going to give our lives to God. There is difference. I don't want you under condemnation every day because you're messing up. Our pursuit of God versus the pursuit of self-righteousness is a big difference. Our pursuit of God, knowing our shortcomings and wanting God to repair us and fix us is much different than trying to tell God how we're going to live. Does that make sense? So I'm, I'm talking about putting God first, but we don't need to be feeling jeopardy of God not wanting He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. But we still ought to put our trust into God because we don't want to be a young ruler. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, somebody say all. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. You know what that says? It says, God, you are my author and my finisher of my faith. You are my father. You are my creator. And I choose to go your way. I choose to walk in your ways. He'll direct our paths. He will. It goes on to say this in verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. That's like saying, I know the Bible says, but come on, it's 2022. Right? Like even the whole sexual agenda, we're thinking, oh, we're in this crazy world. If you read the Bible, back in Corinth, the stuff that was going on in Corinth makes this pale in comparison to some things that went on in Corinth at that time. And yet the word was still the word. The word didn't change for that time. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the Lord. He changes not. And it says, do not be wise in your own eye. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. I love this because he's saying, don't follow me so that you have a terrible life. He's saying, follow me because I know what's best for you. 
Follow me and do things like I say in my word because I know what is best for you. It will be health to you. It'll be health to your flesh. It'll be strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruits of all your increase. Financially honor him. Do you have the next verse? Yeah. So your barns will be filled with plenty. So he's saying, give it over to me. Not so that you won't have anything, so that I will be in control of your finance, so that I will bless you and your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise this chastening. When God speaks to you on these things, when, when the word tells us that we should be different, don't despise his chastening, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Just as a father, the son in whom he delights. See, it's Father's Day this morning, and the greatest father in all the universe is that father. And don't despise when we're corrected. Don't despise his ways and how he wants us to walk because he is a father who loves us and delights in our way and wants the best, the best for us. He truly does. And why? Because he's our maker. I've said this story probably 50 times, so I'm going to make it really, really, really quick. You guys all know a few years ago, or most of you know, I had these kidney stones that were so bad that I ended up crawling into the emergency room on my hands and knees in my pajamas. And uh, that was a pretty humbling day seeing as I'm a guy who grew up not to cry, and, and uh, that was a pretty humbling day, begging for help on my hands and knees going into the hospital. And I didn't care at that point. They could shove anything in me. I didn't care what drug. Just take the pain away. Anyways, I was in the hospital, and they were explaining to me what it was, kidney stones and all that, and they were showing, like, these pictures, and they looked like little ninja stars going through your, like, your urethra. It was horrible. It was, just, it was just bad. Even the doctor said some ladies would rather have another baby than have kidney stones. And so, so I can imagine, I can't imagine that, but if I was even close, yikes. I'm allowed to say that on Father's Day. I wouldn't say that on Mother's Day, but on Father's Day. <laughs> it hurt more than a baby. Um, no, but anyways, they were showing me, and so I was doing some research while I was in the hospital, and this little ninja star that was going down the urethra line, it was not supposed to be there. And as I was thinking about this, I just began to reflect the reason why there was so much pain is that that little ninja star was never designed to go down there. That little tube was never designed to take one of those ninja stars. And as I was reading, I just started to reflect on the things of God. The reason why we get into so much pain is because we do things against the design of God. We do things in our lives, whether it's sexuality, whether it's money, whether it's fame, whether it's everything, everything against what God wants us to do. It will always bring pain. It will never bring a good outcome. And that's why with the people around us, we have to talk to people because if we truly love them, we're not going to let them go down there. The proverb says, do not let one of these sheep go to slaughter. It does. So we have to be able to stand our ground. Why? Because they're going down a road that they've never designed, never been designed to walk, and it will only end in pain because it's not the design of God. It's not. I pray that for myself. I pray that for the people around us. I pray we have the courage to talk to the people around us. Because when we walk in a way that is not God's will and not God's word, it will only end in pain. Why? Because he designed us and he designed us to function in a certain way. And outside of that, that's kidney stones. That's begging for help at the end of the line. <laughs> whether it's addiction, whether it's, like I said, sexuality, whether it's fame, whether it's money going the wrong direction, whatever it is, whatever young ruler it is, if we head down the road away from God, it's just going to end in pain. And that's why he says, do not be discouraged when I chastise you because a good father loves his kids. You get something out of that this morning? 
Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that you are so good to us. You are the wonderful, wonderful Father, the Father of all creation. You're the Father of us, and you created us. Father, we're not going to despise your chastening. As we read your word and we know how you want us to walk, no matter how hard it is in the flesh, we know it's best for us to walk our lives according to the design of God. In the name of Jesus, amen.